Tonight, another cold case from the Metro Police Homicide Files. It's a murder from 1973. Stabbed multiple times. In a cold case murder that's baffled them for 45 years. Authorities left with next to nothing to solve this crime. If you have any information that could bring some answers and closure to the family, please contact... For, for humans who want to do something like this to another human. Stabbed multiple times. So frustrating terrible. with no, very little evidence, no answers decades later. It's hard to imagine. As we've seen, some of these cases recently even have been solved all these decades later. So let's hope somebody knows something. And comes forward. Welcome to the Searching for Closure podcast. One of the main things I've tried to accomplish since I started this podcast was to learn more about what type of person Tina was. All we really know is that she was young, tiny, and had a bit of a troubled life. Besides all that, all we really know is that she was stabbed 61 times and her nude, lifeless body was left beside the shore of Lake Michigan. To me, that's a horrible way to be remembered. And I always thought that she deserved more than just being remembered by that. Since day one, I tried to find friends or family that could clue the world in on what type of girl Tina was. And now, over a year later, I finally found a close friend of Tina's who was willing to talk to me about who Tina the person was, as opposed to Tina the victim. The first question I asked was how did she meet Tina? I don't recall a specific... I mean, I don't recall a specific... We kind of just hung out with, you know, the same people, I guess, and we um, went by Walden, um, you know, quite often, um, just hung out like kids that age did. Um, I followed that up with one of the most important questions. What kind of person was Tina? How would you describe Tina to someone that has never met her and has never heard about her whole tragic story. She was very nice. She was a very sweet person. She was a lot of fun. She was, you know, just really enjoyed, you know, hanging out with her and, you know, just doing the things that we did back then. She was just a very special person. She was, she was, you know, bright, had a, a you know, a good future, you know, I mean, she's, we both came from, I wouldn't call, uh, you know, I wouldn't call really dysfunctional homes, but I mean, you know, there were, there, I think there were issues, you know, so we were, I think that kind of bonded us a little, you know, we, we you know, I, I, my mother was, had some problems and things, and, and, uh, you know, although I came from, you know, a two-parent home, but my father was gone. Um, worked a lot and was gone and yeah and you know and I know in her situation you know her was a single parent home you know you just kind of you you hit it off with people you know that you have things in common with I inquired what kind of things would they do together what did the two girls do for fun yeah <laughs> well it was, we were children of the 60s you know we smoked pot and you know, and, and just, you know, hang out when, you know, go, go places and go, go down by the beach and, 
you know, drive around. And, you know, I mean, if we really didn't have any friends at that point that had cars or anything. And unfortunately, like, we had hiked quite a bit. Um, back then, we thought we were invincible. I had also asked, did Tina often hitchhike alone? I'm not sure, you know, if she did it a lot on her own. I mean, I know we, I know we did together, um, you know, so if I wasn't with her, I wasn't aware of what, you know, if, what she was doing. I asked her when was the last time she saw Tina before she was murdered. Perhaps that could put to bed the rumor that Tina had been missing for 10 days, when in reality, she was seen the night before she was found murdered. I saw her, I, I believe it was just a couple of nights before, um, you know, she went missing. Um, and I just recall that I was home, um, you know, that we had heard that she was missing. And, um, you know, of course, we were all very concerned. And, um, and then I recall that the police came to my parents' home um, to, after they had found her and they, you know, wanted to speak to me, you know, and ask me, you know, what I, what I knew or what I had, you know, and I, I, you know, it, it's 45, close to 46 years ago. I mean, I honestly, the memories are not as good as I would like them to be. I just, I know that, you know, it was traumatic. I was only, you know, 15 years old and, um, Actually, I was younger than Tina. I was 14. But, um, you know, I mean, it just, it was, those kind of things are, are change you. And, and you know, especially when it's a, a friend and, and suddenly they're gone and gone like that. Um, you know, they, they um, you know, they didn't want me to, you know, they, they wanted me to not go out. They didn't want me to go places or do things, you know. Everybody was so frightened, you know, because nobody knew what had, what had happened and why. Um, I just remember being very, very scared, you know, because I wasn't, I mean, we still don't know, obviously, who did it. And, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of theories. And I remember back then, you know, that they said that it was possibly a satanic cult that had somehow she had either befriended somebody or that, um, you know, that she, and I, and I, I remember distinctively hearing that they found bite marks on her, um, that that rumor was going around. Now, I've never... You know, I don't recall because back then I didn't read newspapers and stuff. I was a teenage kid. Um, but I don't know if that was ever openly discussed or was put out there. There was also a long-standing rumor that Tina was a victim of a satanic ritual or part of a group of witches. I wondered what was her thoughts on that rumor? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of people, a lot of friends and a lot of people, you know, after it happened, you know, everybody was saying, you know, the big thing was the satanic cult and that they, you know, they, they, they were kind of insinuating that it was like a, she was a, a ritual, a sacrifice 
um, you know, that, and I don't have any idea, um, you know, I mean, whatever happened, it was horrific, regardless. I asked her if there were any names given at the time of any of the people that could have been possibly involved in this cult. You know, was it a group of known students, or was it just a rumor that was running around town? Nobody really, I mean, nobody could really say it. Nobody, you know, everybody was just saying, you know, that, that at that time that they thought that there was, you know, like a group of people that were like into, you know, this dark side and, you know, and that, that they, everybody was insinuating that she had somehow gotten involved with that. And see, I never, ever, we didn't, you know, have any friends or anybody that was involved in that. So if she, if she was doing that, it was times when I was, you know, not with her, not hanging out with her and stuff, because I certainly wouldn't have gotten involved in that. Nothing I read ever made it sound like Tina would have been involved with anything like that. Was witchcraft or Satanism something Tina would have dabbled in or gotten mixed up with? I don't think so. I don't believe so. I mean, it's just, that wasn't her style. That wasn't, you know, she was just a fun-loving, free-spirited kid that, you know, enjoyed doing, you know, hanging out, and like I said, you know, back then, we, you know, we smoked, smoked pot. I mean, just yeah. about everybody did. Um, you know, I'm sure that trying to remember these things is very hard. I can only imagine that after 46 years, she's tried to block out some of these memories. Not a lot of people have been willing to talk to me. I'm sure they just want to forget such a horrific event for a reason, and I don't fault them. But it didn't seem that was the case with her. She's never forgotten Tina, nor would she want to. Well, I, I've never forgotten her. And, you know, I mean, it isn't like I think of her every day or anything, but, I mean, over the years, you know, I mean, every so often, you know, I just, you know, think to myself, you know, you know, that, you know, how much fun she was, and, you know, that, and, you know, what a good friend and that, and then, you know, I mean, I, I often wonder why it was never solved, you know, why they, you know, even with the capabilities, you know, in this day and age, you know, that, because you know, sometimes they can revisit these cases and, you know, find them. I mean, that one that just came up in Lakewood there. I mean, I got to give the cops kudos for handing that guy the the survey and then asking him to give it back to me. And oh. he licks the envelope. After 46 years, is there anyone that she thought could be involved with this? Does anyone stand out as being capable of doing this? You know, I, I, I honestly, I can't think of anybody that would hurt her that we knew. You know, and that's the part that's always kind of stuck in the back of my head because, you know, she she just wasn't an unkind or mean person. She didn't do, you know, unkind things or say unkind things. So I don't know why anybody would have done that to her. And, and I don't understand. You know, I, I don't want to think 
that we knew somebody that was capable of doing that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, because you, you don't want to think that your friends were killers or your friend was a killer or, you know what I'm saying? Was Tina familiar with the beach area? Was it like a known party area or anything like that? Yeah, well, I, you know, and the thing is, we used to, because for a period of time, I actually lived at um, Horizon Hall, and I don't know if you know which home that is, but it was because I had a lot of problems with my mom and stuff, and I was actually, for a short period of time, I, I lived on Taylor Avenue in the Taylor home. And then after that, I had moved from there to Horizon Hall, which was like a group home for girls. It's at the corner of 14th and Main there, that huge white house with the great big porch on it. I, I want to say the address is like 1324. But, um, you know, I can remember, you know, I mean, we went down to the beach and stuff, you know, um, a lot, you know, we walked and walked along those beaches, you know, down by the rock, you know, by Gateway. We would go down by the 14th Street Beach. We would even go down, you know, like by the 17th Street Beach where they found her. And, um, you know, so it, those are areas that were, were familiar to her, you know, but, I, you know, that's what makes me wonder if she went there willingly with somebody and then it just bad um you know but i like i said i don't know of anybody that we hung out with or the people that we knew or even people from the wall and you know the the kind of group of people that hung out there and that um you know, nobody nobody ever you know gave me any kind of indication that that they were capable of something like that Whatever made you, I don't mean to be the one quizzing you, but whatever made you um, go, you know, be interested in Tina's case? I mean, because you're so much younger. And, I mean, you, how did you come to know about it? Or? This was a question that I've gotten from almost everyone since I started this podcast. I answered it in some earlier episodes, but I feel it's only fair to say it again. You know, I grew up around this town, and I had never heard of Tina Davison, which to me is shocking because of the brutality of her death. How had I never heard of such a horrific, unsolved crime? I started this podcast because I wanted to try to do something good, and I was searching for weeks to find a case to do it on, and finally I decided to look up unsolved murders in Racine, and that's when I stumbled upon Tina's case, and I became enthralled with it. I think it's tragic that after so many years, there's still so few answers. If this was a case that happened in 2003 instead of 1973, I might not have as much of an interest. It's the amount of time that's passed with no new leads or answers. So I don't know. I, it just stood out to me as something that needed a second look or even a 215th look. It needs to keep being looked at again and again, until finally there's some answers. She's not. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm so glad that you are doing this. And I'm so glad that, you know, you're, you're not giving up. And, you know, it's, you know I, I really truly do believe that at some point they're going to find out, you know, who did this, 
you know, who, you know, I mean, all these different theories, and, you know, somebody was saying, well, maybe it was a female, and I, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know, you know, I don't see a female doing that, I honestly don't. You know, I understand her thoughts and feelings, but as we've learned from like the Slenderman girls, the two 12 year olds that brutally tried to kill their best friend in Waukesha, anyone can really stab someone that many times, even a couple 12 year old girls. Well, yeah, I listened to your podcast, the latest one earlier today, and and I actually was closing my eyes when you were doing your reenactment and that, and, you know, and it just sent chills down my spine, you know, and to actually, you know, to to hear your breathing and to hear you striking this and to understand how long that that happened to her, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then it, 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 you know, I mean, and obviously she fought back. There's nobody that's going to, you know what I mean, unless she was somehow knocked out or something, you know, beforehand, um, you know, you're going to fight. Um, and I know she would have, I know she would have. And, and, you know, so it's just, ugh. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I'm, I'm, your podcast is so good. And, you know, I, like I said, I'm just, I don't even remember. I think I was just on Facebook and that's how, because I still have friends in Racine and stuff and somebody, you know, shared it or something. And I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, and I, I <laughs> you know, so then I listened to all of them, and then you were doing the Caleb Berg thing there, and, you know, the other. Yeah. We can hope. I, yeah. I mean, I've been, I did contact some other friends, and I do have a couple other people that kind of, you know, we were all kind of in that same, you know, time frame and that age and stuff. And I'm going to, I want to talk to a couple of other um old friends that I still had contact with, you know, and kind of ask them, you know, what do you remember? You know, what maybe because maybe somebody else, you know, has a better memory than I do, or maybe, you know, maybe they have an idea, you know, of somebody that was maybe, let's, shall we say, off a little or something, but I'd like to think that it was nobody that we knew, that it was, uh, you know, a complete stranger or something because honestly <laughs> I don't the whole the whole idea that it was somebody close to us is is you know I asked if there's anything that she would like to say to Tina if she could. I miss her. You know. I've I've missed her for forty six years. And, you know, I mean I just wish it would have never happened. I you know, I, I I wish maybe I would have been with her that night. She wouldn't have gone with her, gone wherever with whoever this person was. You know, because and things could have been so different. But unfortunately, you know, hindsight to twenty twenty. You know, I mean, I I I can't forget her though. I will never forget her. I mean, that's that's something that. You know, I, I choose to try to remember the good. You know what I mean? It's, and, and I wish I had pictures of her, and I don't. Um, so it's really a pleasure when, you know, you post pictures on, on the, um, you know, the website and stuff because, 
you know, that's who I remember. You know, sometimes she was somber. Sometimes she was laughing hysterically. You know, I mean, she she just, she was so full of life. And um, it's just so sad that somebody had to end that. I hope, I hope wherever she is, you know, I hope she knows that, you know, we, you know, loved her and miss her terribly and, you know, see, see her again someday at some point in time. Well, and I'm, thank you for doing all the hard work that you're doing and for, you know, keeping this alive with the police department because, you know, honestly, I really thought that they had just simply put this thing on a shelf somewhere and, you know, and just, you know, forgotten, you know, that, you know, but it, at least, you know, it gives me some hope knowing that they're at least still investigating this, maybe not as a, you know, an active case or anything, but, you know, I mean, there's, there's at least a shred of hope out there now. It was only kind of fitting that when I met up with her and some listeners at the cemetery to plant flowers on Tina's grave, she's the one that brought a solar-powered angel light to shine down over Tina's grave. The same way I want this podcast to shed light on her life and hopefully expose a person or persons involved in her death. You too. Thanks. Bye-bye. That's all for today's episode. I hope everyone has a better understanding of Tina as a person, and perhaps they can see this whole tragic case in a different sense. I'll be back again next week with another case file, but until then, you know, if you're bored with nothing to do, you can always read a book, but if you're like me, you don't have time to read. So maybe you spend a lot of time, you know, in an office or driving. How do you kill the time? Put your headphones in and listen to a podcast. But it's summertime, not a lot of podcasts are coming out. So maybe you could try an audiobook. And the best place to get audiobooks is at Audible. They have over 180,000 audiobooks. I've been using them for over a year now. Just go to audibletrial.com closure and sign up for a free month. There's no strings attached and you can cancel at any time. With that, you'll get one free audiobook to get you going and two free Audible originals. Just go to audibletrial.com closure to get a free month and three free audiobooks. If you're looking for something to do on, say, a Friday or Saturday night when your friends come over or you put the kids to bed and there's nothing on TV, you could try something a little more hands-on. That's where Hunt a Killer comes into play. Hunt a Killer is a murder mystery box that immerses you in an ongoing experience. Each month you get a new box delivered. Inside each box, you dive deeper into what it's like to be an investigator. You get to sift through piles of documents, evidence, audio recordings, and case files. You can scratch people off the suspect list till finally, hopefully, you catch the killer. Let's go to huntakiller.com slash audio. That way you can skip the application process and use the promo code CLOSURE at checkout to save 20% on your first box. By using these two sponsors, you are supporting this podcast because all proceeds go towards spreading the word about Tina. And as I always say, the more eyes that look into this case, 
the better the chances that someone will see something that everyone else has missed. Until next time, thank you for listening.